Today's show is a motor racing special. So the five lights have just gone out and it's go, go, go! Welcome to the Car Deal Advisor Podcast Show. The presenter of this show is Hugh Hedrick. Get ready for special motoring legends and great deals on your next set of wheels. So the five red lights have just gone out and it's go, go, go. Good morning and welcome to the Cardio Advisor podcast show with me, Hugh Hattrick, and my very special guest, Douglas Niven. Well, Douglas, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thanks very much for coming. How are you today? I'm great, Hugh, and it's good to catch up with you again. It's a few years since I've seen you. Hi. Uh, we go back a long time. I used to, uh, well, your father was my doctor at the time. I used to play yes. squash to keep fit with him and everything else, and we used to have a great time together. Ah, we certainly, certainly did. And I remember kind of hearing about all your racing stories that my father would tell me about, um, as you did touring cars and things like that. And uh, so on the show today, we'll, we'll get into all of that. Um, and of course, you're um, uh, you're the cousin of the late cousin of Jim Clark. So there's lots of very interesting things we can talk about with that as well. But um, yeah, so to, we'll we'll get started straight into the show. I suppose that, um, you know, most people will know you as, as uh, well, you're an accomplished racing driver in your own right, but what was the thing that kind of inspired you to get into motor racing? Was it being a cousin of Jim Clark or was it just in the blood? Yeah, uh, just to put it into perspective, Jim was actually 10 years older than me, exactly 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, uh, uh, and, and as we know, unfortunately, he was killed when he was 32 years old. So therefore, uh, I was 22 at that time. So... But Jim had been racing for you know ten years before that or so, and I was at school up at Stathallen in Perthshire, oh, yeah. and I used to get the papers uh, you know on a Monday morning to see how Jim had done in the Natal Grand Prix in, in South Africa, yeah. or the Po Grand Prix in, in France, and all these different things, and it was also a fight to get to the, the the paper to find out how he did. So I think that sort of set me away on that yeah, route yeah. Of, of getting you know be, being interested in, in motorsport. Uh, and the racing, and, and that's what I suppose sowed the seed for that. Yeah, yeah. And did you ever ask him for tips and things like that, or kind of strategies, or that, or or when he or when you or talk about racing with him when you saw him and that? Is a... He actually didn't like to talk about racing much at all when he was at home. Mm. And of course, as I said, you know, um, I was at school until I was sort of seventeen, and Jim was at, at that point was away, you know, uh, abroad. So we didn't see so much of him at that time. And when he did come home, he really wanted to find out more about what was happening with all uh, the farms and yeah, everything else yeah, and, and that yeah. type of thing. And he would, he would talk about it. But but again, I wasn't actually racing at, at, yeah, at so that, that time. Yeah, 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 because it yeah. was only after Jim was killed that I went in, in, into motor racing. Right, and I think right. it was something I had to get out of my system because it was uh, there uh, and the need to come out. Because yeah, I, yeah. I think it was uh, the fact that, you know, the pent-up energy was... Yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. didn't... I didn't get any support from the family, aye, which aye. is exactly what happened to Jim. You know, his That's mother and right, father yeah. didn't like um, Jim yeah. racing; he didn't approve of it. And, and neither did well, my mother was alive. My father wasn't, but my mother never approved of it. Yeah. Only ever came to one race, and that was I think the last one because she was more or less made to by the family. Just to at least see what, what I was doing. Aye, I'm happy that it'll be your, yeah, that was your last one, isn't it? So I suppose it's one of those things that, uh, and of course, I mean, uh, 
in the incredible history of, of Jim Clark, I mean, I've seen some of the old videos on YouTube uh, when they had the bus that went through Turnside and Duns uh, when he got his World Championship. I mean, that must have been a fantastic thing to experience. Yeah. I, I mean, I, my first memory of Jim is, it would be 1959. It was a Boxing Day Brands Hatch which was on television, and that was um, Jim and the Lotus Elite up against uh, Colin Chapman. All right, and unfortunately, a backmarker got in the way of Jim and Colin slipped through and won the race. But, but uh, from that point, that's when Colin Chapman uh, noticed that Jim was a, a, yeah, a talent to be, to, be, to be looked at. And yeah. Of course, Ian Scott Watson started mm. the ball rolling earlier than that's that, but yeah, when yeah. he went to Grimmond yeah. up in Aberdeenshire to, to, to race, and Jim came along as, as a mechanic. Yeah. Jim became friendly with Ian through the Young Farmers Club and the Brighton District Motor Club yeah. at that time. And if you remember one, you remember the other, basically. Uh, uh, and uh, so Jim went up there. And then Ian Scott Watson said to Jim, why didn't you ever go? And, and uh, so see uh, see how you get on. So he did that, and he was three yeah. seconds a lap quicker than Ian straight away. Yeah. So so they just so Ian said, look, I'm wasting my time. You should have a go. Uh-huh. What did, they didn't realise was that uh, a lot of Jim's uh, relations... Are from the north, of course. Jim and his parents mm. came down from Fife, like, like my parents did. Yeah, and yeah. therefore, unknown to Jim, there was relations in, in the crowd watching this race. Ah, right, and that right. got back down to his mother and father, ah, who had right. told him he wasn't allowed to race or do anything yeah, else. And yeah. he, he was racing basically as an A and other. And so, not, <laughs> the game was up. Yeah. The game was up basically <laughs> at that stage. So, from then on, to he, you know, yeah, yeah. but his mother would never go to the race, wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. And, and just, you know, his father was justifiably proud, but um, yeah, because it, it was so dangerous, wasn't it? It was like, at that time, yeah. And you, you come through a kind of post war era where people had lost so many relations and different things and been so affected, and then to do a sport which is so dangerous, you can understand why people thought it was very risky and wouldn't be supportive. Um, but uh, I mean, I remember my father going to Charter Hall, and that would have been in the 50s and uh, very early 60s, and he said it was great racing, great fun to watch, but there were some quite serious actions there as well and that but uh, but I mean I suppose motorsport is just one of those things where you take it's a, such a risk um, but the rewards are so huge as well when it when it all works out yeah. but um, I mean it's uh, when you look at the old programs of like on, on old racing cars and I'm sure you'd have had that in your early racing career as well I mean it was so much more it was more raw it wasn't you know nowadays it's paddle shift gearboxes and kind of lots of safety Tech and things like that. Well, you just didn't have that in in those days, isn't it? it was no, there were more sort of ordinary going cars with gear, yeah, and yeah. natural gearbox selection, uh-huh. and, and none of the technology and computer science that there is today. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, Charter Hall. Well, the last race meeting there was nine sixty three, which is one I, I drove my car too because I got my license oh, earlier right. that year. Yeah, so I was, yeah, 70, yeah. I was seventeen, uh-huh. and um, but there, you know. They raced around oil drums and bales and things. <laughs> and, and if you went off, you went through a, a fence into a field, and that was oh, what happened. Goodness. Unfortunately, yeah. there was t- uh, fatalities there as well. Yeah, but that's yeah. where Jim and Jackie Stewart and a lot of other people cut their teeth yeah, in the early yeah, days, you know. Yeah, and that's yeah. and, and it's from there, because that's when the Border Ravens was formed by that's the late right. Jock McBain. Yeah. The Churnside, of course, that was just next door to Eddington Mains, Eddington Mains yeah, where Jim yeah. farmed. Oh. And they... Uh, and of course they bought the Aston Martins, Jaguar, the types and all these sort of cars, yeah. DBR ones, Aston yeah. Martin, and the rest from there. And, and that, that's what set him ah, off, set off him up, his, isn't it? Because I'd heard that, I mean, one of my previous guests had said that, uh, you know, that, that people like Jack Brabham as well had come to uh, Charter Hall to race. And, and uh, there'd been quite you know, a lot of the early days, kind of most 
very much famous racing drivers in Formula One had come to, to drive there. I think Mike Hawthorne as well, I think, had, had raced there. So it, it's a... Well, I can I, I know I was taken to... Well, even before Charterhall, if you go back to Winfield... That's right, because they did Winfield uh, before. Because Prince Beera yeah. and yeah. the Watts BRMs and yeah. uh, Stirling Moss and these guys all yeah. came up to, to, to Winfield to race. And that's supposedly it's where the only Scottish Grand Prix ever took place. All right, wow. But, but um, <laughs> I was four years old when... Uh, when I, when, I, when I was there at the right. meeting and I, I I was told I, I've been told I was taken home because I, I couldn't stand the noise of oh, right. the car <laughs> but at that time there was BRMs and yeah, I was they're the, pretty the, loud noisy oh, yeah, anyway. that's the thing but isn't it I yeah. could hear the racing from home you know it puts them, wow. it's only a few miles from yeah, from, yeah. From, oh, of from, course I from it so yeah, from, yeah, from Winfield yeah. so yeah. And again so that's my father and some of the local farmers were the Class right. of the course, and uh, yeah, everybody yeah. got involved because it was the Winfield Joint Committee at that that stage, yeah, which then yeah. was transferred to Charter Hall afterwards. Right, Again, right. both old wartime airfields. Yeah, and it was been quite in condition at that point because now I've been to Charter Hall last year. I went to Charter Hall just to have a look round because I hadn't been there for years, and I think they've redone the the, the airstrip in all fairness. They've, they've retarmacked a bit of it, um, but it was we just wanted to see where the old track was and just where you know what it was like. And it, even even with it being quiet, it just had an amazing atmosphere. It was still you. Know, you could just imagine uh, what it must have been like to try and race round, you know. But because uh, it was quite a short circuit, wasn't it? it was only about two miles long. Yeah, and, and yeah I, I, say, I never raced there, but uh, I drove round it not so long ago with some journalists. Took it around. It's quite bumpy now. But, yes, but yeah. the, the actual grid is still there. You can still see the numbers of the grid. Ah, I was going to try and find yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. because and that is at the end of the bit of tarmac you're, you're talking about. That tarmac was laid because uh, Leyland or Landover launched the, a new Range Rover. Uh, there ah, and, right, and yeah. that's where the journalists so, uh, ah, so they wanted they, to have something that they could, they could drive up and down yeah. what they did was yeah. up to 100 miles an hour and then brakes well, it took, took about 10 seconds oh, right. but, uh, ah, so yeah. they, they, they laid that the old yeah. main straight because ah, the, the main straight still was a mile long yeah. um, which was yeah. really I mean it doesn't look it when you see it from the pictures but actually when, when you get there it's, it's quite impressive yeah, think of all these old cars with you know, drum brakes and things ah, like that and whatever yeah, you know, yeah. stuff at the end of ah, that, that. <laughs> yeah. well, it was wide That's and it right. was fields exactly. it? that was the thing yes. but uh, but no it's, it's what do you think what's been your, your if you could think about a race um, first of all with, with uh, that you've watched that was maybe one of your ones that you think was most memorable what would have been yeah. Well, I think it's, uh, maybe there's been one or two that have been memorable, but the one that, that I physically uh, saw where he was really working hard was at uh, the 1964 Grand Prix at Brands Hatch. All right. And, and that was the European Grand Prix, and uh, he had an engine problem at, mm. at low oil pressure, and he, he had to sort of uh, really nurse the engine all the way. So yeah. around the corners, he would switch the engine off to save the, the, the oil surge because the, the, yeah. the pressure was very low, and then he would accelerate down the streets. Yeah. And he'd, he beat Graham Hill ah, just, uh, right. but but a lot of drivers would just get plugging on until the engine blew up. But yeah, he but managed he to nurse his car yeah. home and get it home. So you think that was that's the thing? He must have been obviously very fit as well to be able to drive these kind of cars and to do all these Grand Prix. But they always said that the ones that were the fittest, they, they could they could kind of see above the normal problems, wouldn't it? They could not only just race, but they could have a strategy like being able to turn your engine off at corners where nobody else would, you know, and be able to manage it and, and as a result, win races, yeah. isn't it? That's what they... It, it certainly, because Lotus didn't build a strong car, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Colin Chapman, the founder of Lotus, built the cars in a really lightweight, mm. and that, you know, and he was a great engineer and designer, but the car, if I had a fault, it, was, it, it wasn't very strong. Yeah. And a lot of suspensions would break, and one thing or another, that type of thing would happen. Aye. But um, and in fact, he could have won 
uh, four world championships. Brilliant. If it hadn't been for an oil leak in the last in the last in yeah. the last race and this sort of thing, yeah. but yeah. The, um, you know, uh, but Lotus certainly and Colin Chapman worked together very well. You know, yeah, oh, it's, it's an amazing through. partnership. I mean, yeah. even up until the late eighties, but then um, when Colin Chapman uh, died, wasn't it? I mean, his team was still exceptional. I mean, they saw Ayrton Senna and look how well he did for Lotus yeah. and all of that. You know, and it was, and then of course Nigel Mansell as well raced for Lotus, wasn't it? Too? Yes, Jochen uh, Rent, yeah, quite a, quite a lot yeah, of them. Yeah, really incredible yeah. talent. Mario so, Andretti. Yeah, yeah, people like that. You know, and, yeah. and, and they, yeah, they all did well. Aye, I was a pity because I mean, up until a few years ago, when, when Lotus had current Formula One, didn't they? And then they were they went well, they sadly went bust, and then Renault bought them over. Um, but uh, I think they were using a Renault engine or a bit derived as, as Lotus. But um, if you fast forward to the present day, a company called Geely from China, a Chinese company, have, oh, yeah, uh-huh. have bought Lotus now. Ah, right, and right. They, uh, they are certainly putting, you know, some, I believe, funds and yeah. finance into it and uh, will keep the, the name of Yeah, alive. the name going, because that name is just so important, really, yes. isn't it? And I mean, obviously, they're still making the Elise and things like that, aren't they, and other yes. cars. Oh, so yes. They've still got a range yeah. of cars available. In fact, we'll come, I'll, I'll be speaking about a very, very exciting competition in a few minutes' time um, where the potential you could win uh, Lotus Evora GT4110 Sport. Um, and the money raised goes to the Jim Clark Museum, which is currently being renovated uh, and is due to be opened in the, in the spring next year, I think it is. That's what they're hoping. Well, we're, we're thinking we call it a soft opening maybe in the spring, depending uh, on the builders yeah. and all the works go. And then there'll be an official opening later mm. in the year to coincide with a, a, a time when whoever yeah. comes to open it, it might be John Todd, president of the FIA, or Jackie uh-huh. Stewart, who's so Jackie yeah. Stewart, who's our own president. Yeah, uh, or yeah. A name like that will come. And, and at yeah. that time, they will do the raffle for the Lotus of Vora that we are selling tickets for. Yeah. They launched this at uh, Goodwood at the Festival of Speed oh, right. yes, recently. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, the, the, the um, tickets have gone very well since then. Yeah. And it's, it's, we were up at Knock Hill, the British Touring Car Championship last weekend. A lot, sold a lot of tickets yeah. again. Yeah. And the idea is that um, this car is to replicate what was a Elan uh, that Jim had an ex Scott Watson car, 997NUR, yeah. as it's known, and uh, that was chassis number one. This one is chassis number 100,000, wow. Lotus chassis to, to be yeah, built, yeah. and it's worth £100,000. Yeah. So for a £20 ticket, yeah, it's, it's definitely good value. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, you can apply for entry um, at the Jim Clark Trust yeah. website, um, which is <laughs> www.jimclarktrust.com. Dot com. I think that's uh, one what we have here. Um, so yes, you can do that. Or if you want to get in touch with us here, just send us an email at podcast at cardioadvisor.co.uk and we'll happily send an application form out to you. That, um, so we'll get back to the show and back to our interview with Douglas Niven. So, Douglas, you've obviously an accomplished racing driver yourself and well known that Ingleson, if I remember about three years ago going to the Ingleson Revival and seeing you driving a milk float racing around the circuit, having lots of fun uh, doing that. But you, you've got quite a lot of um, records in motor racing. You were saying you... you... Well, we, um, we started in 1969 uh, with a Ford Anglia yeah. for a year and then I, I bought the ex Graham Burrell Wileys of Glasgow twin cam escort which is well sorted and we won the Scottish Championship in 1970 with that yeah. and then we um, went on to do other saloons racing at Mallory Park Goulton Park Brands Hatch Silverstone whatever yeah. and with various different escorts and cars I always tend to buy somebody else's cast off you mm-hmm. know they would sort they, they would build it or 
buy new. Get it all well prepared, sorted. Yeah. And like everybody else, you think you're going to do something better the following year. So I'd buy their car. Uh, and by the time they got their car sorted out, we'd, we'd won, won the game. <laughs> and that's what actually happened with Graham Burrell in 1970. Uh-huh. Uh, and Wiley's, and there was Jenny Burrell as well, at, uh-huh. uh, racing Bill Dryden for SMT, Vauxhall, Forenza. Uh-huh. And, and then we progressed from then to super, super saloons, yeah. which was uh, the bigger the engine, the most uh-huh. hairy, uh-huh. noisy. The, the kind of V8 engines V8 as well. V8 engines, yeah. 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 So, uh-huh. so I had a 5.7 litre Escort and a Capri, and then latterly... Uh, five litre Escort? Uh, and um, so latterly we had a, a Volkswagen Beetle. Now, the, the rules and regulations were that the engine and gearbox had to be in the same half as the production mm. car. Mm. So therefore, obviously, a Beetle was the engine in the back. So what we did was got a Formula 5000 engine, which yeah. it was built by Mick Hill. Again, same story. I cast yeah. off from Mick. He went on to build a Skoda, which he thought would be better than that, and I bought, bought his... His his um, Beetle, the Beetle was a Trojan 101 Formula 5000 car, yeah. single seater, yeah. and with just four pins and just dropped his fiberglass shell on the top. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. It, it did resemble a Beetle. It but, looks amazing. But, it does. Uh, <laughs> I like the windscreen and the badge on the front, but the only thing is the door handles. Yeah. But everything else was just a Formula 1 car, a Formula 5000 car, and you could wow. put it back to being a single seater at yeah. any time you wanted. Yeah. And that car, um, you know, was. was a great success, you know. Yeah, yeah. At one point, we had eight lap records out of thirteen circuits that we, wow. that we had, and yeah. and in the last race, uh, the full season, we had we had twenty eight wins out of forty three starts, and the That's rest were either breakdowns of, of places. Yeah. And we won the 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 the, 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 the um, saloon car championship in, in, for Britain at that year. Uh-huh. But the, the only other, the only other person that had more wins was Kenny Atchison in a Formula Three. Mm. He's an Irishman. He'd won more win than I had. So, yeah. But it was a great fun doing uh-huh. that, you know. So, like, the Super Saloons, was that, like, a kind of early-style kind of British touring car type thing? It was, so, really, uh, yeah. There was a, a Brian Muir and the Wigan Steep Camaro, um, Yogi Muir. There was um, Frank Gardner. There was um, um, Jerry Marshall. Uh, and uh, lots of uh, big engines, you know, eight yeah, litre engines. Yeah, uh, the bigger, the better. Because right, he used to draw in the crowds. That was the thing, wasn't uh, it? And um, they were great fun to, to, uh, to, be, to be involved with. And yeah. thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. And then, of course, like everything else, it moves on. And you know, aye, now aye. some of them have been resurrected. That that yeah. beetle is still around. And in fact, I, I, I've driven it recently. I've lost a chap called Dave Taylor down in Lancashire, mm-hmm. and he resurrected that car uh, yeah. and yeah. rebuilt it. And yeah. it, I've driven it at Knock Hill and Donington, Mallory Park, and, yeah. and Goodwood up to fest, up to yeah. up the hill at the Festival yeah. of Speed. Yeah. As yeah. I did this year, the Festival aye. of Speed with Jim Clark's Works Little Scatina. Well, which is fantastic. Which is great fun it? to do. Yeah. You know? and, Really interesting to see how the cars of these years compared to today. Yeah. I mean, like, what is Jim Clark's car like? Well, especially like the Lotus, um, the, the Formula One car. Is it really difficult to drive? Is it is it quite tricky? You know, because obviously Goodwood, you can't drive it that fast because it's quite a thin, you know, narrow road. Is it? I mean, are the gears quite? Is it? Be a, it's of the gears are it's the old style racing gearbox and things like that. Well, it was, it, it, it was a, it was a Lotus that was driving. The what's Lotus Catina? Oh, that was driving, and but that car had been has been owned by. The current owner since 1975, and mm-hmm. they've obviously maintained it mechanically, but in- yeah. internally it's the same steering wheel, same seats, everything else is Jim raced it in, ah, and ah. the same seat belt. So it was a, a yeah, nice yeah. To, to, to get into the car and have something with Jim's DNA on it, yeah, you know, and drive yeah. this car up the hill. And um, 
I mean, he would have 140, 160 horsepower in that car, which yeah, was quite yeah. a lot. And it's a bit light as well. It's so light. It's gonna, yeah, and it's yeah. handled, handled, handled fine, but yeah. as you see, up, up to the hill at Goodwood, you've only got about a minute in the car. Yeah, to, to, aye, aye. It's, it's all a bit noisy and whatever. Yeah, and look out of the pay bills and things like especially that. Especially when it? you've got a few hundred thousand people watching. <laughs> aye, you don't want to get it wrong, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I've once, I have once driven up there, but only I was there on the, one of the, motor, uh, the moving motor show, um, and I had a, a, I was a running in the Infinity Hybrid, which was actually really good fun. But of course, they put an, an extra chicane halfway up to stop people like me getting too 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 much bravado or thinking, yes, I can do this, no problem. Um, but uh, but it was great fun actually, just being able to drive up that hill climb is, is exceptional. Um, but I suppose from someone like from our listeners' point of view, many of them have maybe never driven a racing car or you know they watch it on TV and things like that. What is the main difference between like driving like when you were driving those incredible touring cars compared to like a normal um, uh, kind of car? What would be the difference? Is it is everything is obviously stripped out and lighter and 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 faster? But in terms of like you know clutches and is it are they are they smooth to drive or are they yeah. knife edge stuff? Well, or is it kind of the, the Beetle, you know, it was not to to a hundred and four seconds, which is which is I mean today's yeah. time is yeah. maybe not so fast, but it was going back you know, <laughs> yeah. thirty forty years ago, yeah, yeah. and uh, three miles to the gallon, wow. and you'd, you know, you'd five but five liters, so about six yeah. seven hundred horsepower, wow. you'd seventeen yeah. inch rubber tires in the back. So therefore, to answer yeah. your question about handling. There's that much tyre on the road, you couldn't really do too much wrong unless you're... Yeah, so there's plenty of grip yeah. and everything. And, and, and it's a little gearbox. Um, so it, um, it, it handled well and it, and, and it drove... You know, it should do on the rails, yeah, you know. Yeah. Really. I remember I once did a, a race day at Donington myself and my family came down to watch me. My father came and he was very kind of concerned that I did everything properly. And the thing is, I, I wore the wrong shoes. My, my shoes were a bit too big to try and get in, into these cars. But I, they let me drive a, a Vauxhall Lotus car, uh, which was the, the single seater. I think it was a two litre Vauxhall engine at the time. Um, and it was it was great fun because, you know, you, you could barely see over the over the front. And I, that was the first experience of thinking, how do these people actually see where the apex of the corner is, yeah. let alone try and, and drive quicker? You know, um, but it, but the gears I found it because you had to double the clutch and you had to rev it as you change down to try and get the gears slightly you know, properly stuck in, and that that took a lot. You know, it took a lot of concentration. I wasn't wasn't used to it, um, um, but I think it was. It must be amazing driving these kind of cars at speed and obviously racing against 20, 20 other people yeah. at the same time. People think it, you know it, it must be difficult among a big pack of cars, but the thing is. You're actually all going at the same speed. So you're all maybe you're like to standing still because yeah, yeah, the car is maybe slightly gaining on you. Or you're gaining on another one, but yeah. you're not going at vast differences of speed. Yeah. So therefore, it's all kind of happens together. The worst time when you're together is if it's a wet day and, and you can't see a thing. Aye, and you're driving in a permanent mist yeah, and fog. You know? yeah, yeah. But if, if you're together, you know. And you tend to know your drivers and who's doing what. Yeah, and who's good and who's yeah. <laughs> And to finish first, first you've got to finish. So yeah, if you're yeah. going to take somebody out, somebody's going to take you out. There's no prizes for that because yes, you all aye. go home with a bag of bits. You know? aye, but, aye, um, aye. So but drivers tended in the whole to be pretty fair. And, aye, although yeah. when you watch the current in the British Touring Car Championship, <laughs> like, you do tend to sort of have aye, a bit of nudging. Yeah, yeah, it's quite dodgy but in places, it isn't be. it? Yeah. <laughs> but half, half the time their wheels are in the air anyway. So yeah. are we touching the spin off? Yes, I know that's it, isn't but, it? Uh, but no, generally you drivers and everything else, and, and in our era, after the event was over, we'd all go away and have a barbecue together or something yeah, after that. So it was a nice atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think, I mean, I remember watching the touring cars in kind of late 80s, early 90s. 
um, when it was like Steve Sofer and John Cleland and people like that, and they had some amazing coming togethers. And and Beckham was in 1992 when they were taking each other off every opportunity. Yeah. Um, but they were great races to watch, and there were thousands of people turned up um, to watch them. And, and of course, at that time, they used to have them along with the Grand Prix, and they? they'd have a, the the Grand Prix, and then afterwards, you'd have a touring car race. Because yeah. uh, I remember watching the, the the European Grand Prix at Donington, um, and they just saw Senna win, and then the rain came down and started lashing down, and then they had a touring car race right after it, um, and that was fantastic to watch as well. You know, so it's. I think the touring cars and that kind of era of racing is just amazing, and, and the fact you've been part of all of that is is quite a. Well, we actually were the, we were the support race for the the, the British Grand Prix at Silverstone one year, uh-huh, so that uh-huh. was great fun too. Yeah, you know? yeah. If you had your overalls on, you, you kind of got, got to go by forever. Almost, and you. And, uh, and even and in these days, it wasn't nearly the security or strictness that there is yeah, today. Yeah, you, to you could get into yeah, the pit lane and yeah. see what's going on, yeah, and nobody yeah. was heading you away. Which yeah. obviously now with the crowds and everything else, ah, and they have things, to, have to yeah, do that for yeah. safety. Ah. But in these days, well, if we go back to Ingleston, places like that, yeah. you know, I mean, there is the stories of me hitting the toilets and going over the toilets and all that sort of thing, ah, yeah. uh, and. Um, the throttle jammed wide open, but there was trees and things around about and all that it sort of thing. So these days, buildings and yeah. things, which and that's why Ingleson really came to to, to uh, a close because uh, it, was, it was too you know too dangerous. Uh, they could remove the trees and open up a little bit. That would be but a great. And, and that's the last thing you want to do, is because you know obviously I it's the, it's, as a showground and a facility for all yeah, the other weeks uh, of the year, it's, it, 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 it don't cause any problems. Uh, uh, and that's uh, where Knock Hill was was you know designed uh, and built you know to be. With safety in mind. Yeah, sorry, because you've got plenty of space to run off and yeah. things like that, isn't it? No, that's the. Yeah. I, I remember I had some very funny memories and fun memories of Ingleston, uh, going up there and seeing the racing. And I was a, a runner, and they used to before they had all it was all computerised. They would of course they would print off the times, and I had to take the times and run yeah. to one of the other boards and stick it up for the drivers to see yeah. what how they had qualified and things like that. And that was great fun. You had to be so quick because they were desperate to find out, yeah. um, you know what what position they were in. Um, but I also remember the the pit lane was so. Open. And the, the pits were, were quite big at that point, the old cattle kind of sheds and things um, that are just next to them. And they'd let you sit in the cars. And uh, and I thought, my goodness, nowadays, you know, they never let you anywhere near. But you used to sit in the car, and I'd be about 12 or 13, and sit in these warm kind of racing cars that had already been out once or twice. And they say, yeah, you can sit in there while we're just, you know, talking away and so on. Yeah. And it was, it, you just, it was an amazing thing to be yeah, able to do. It was very much a relaxed atmosphere, you know. Yeah, uh, and that's yeah. the way it was, it was meant to be, you know. Aye, and aye. that's when they had, you'd have a round of the, the, the British Super Saloon Car Championship. All yeah. these drivers come up from the south, and they thought they were in the Shetland yeah. Islands or something. <laughs> you know, they thought that they couldn't believe that, that we used to go down there every fortnight or whatever and race yeah. down there circuits right. down right. at Snetterton and Brands Hatch Brands Hatch was about 500 miles away that's a long you know, long journey and, and because we were at Super Saloons it all tend to be the last race yeah. so you're hanging about all day waiting for this and then all you need to do is get home and you get home at 3 o'clock the next morning or something because right. right. even though we were racing cars we were still farming yeah, we're farming so, work. Yeah. so we always made a point of being back you right. know on the Monday morning for that yeah. but it meant a long drive home but although I didn't have to bring the car home we were lucky with mechanics yeah. Who, who did it for the for the enjoyment of it? Because yeah, I, I was yeah. racing for Border Reavers at that stage, ah, which yeah. is the t- team that Jim Platt is for, and he's got Watson asked me to take on the mantle of that, yeah. and that still goes on today with you know. Because uh, the, the Border Reavers is still active, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah. so Cameron yeah. Benny took took over the helm for a while, and currently Jamie Thorburn uh, uh, from Duns, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 in Formula Ford is, is having success with that now, yeah, and, and yeah. carrying the mantle. 
Very well, doing a good job. I was with my, my previous guest, uh, Andrew Dixon, uh, that, uh, we did a podcast on there on Monday, um, and he was saying it's amazing how many racing drivers and rally drivers we have in the borders. It just seems to be in the, it must be in the water or something that makes you want to race around the place because obviously your good self and Jim Clark and we've got Louise Aitken Walker, Andrew Cowan and, and uh, Jim Thorburn and I mean there's countless uh, people from the borders that, that have come up to do well in, in motor racing. It's uh, yeah, it must he, be the roads he, or something. <laughs> even the rallying there, and there was Gary Pearson, you know, yeah, he recently yeah. came third, you know, aye, aye. North, uh, you know, and, and Michael Binney, you know, uh, rallying. So I think it, in the old days the roads, aye. the borders were quiet, and there were long aye, streets, yeah, yeah. But as you see, Andy Cowan and Louise set aye. the pace as well for the following gym, you know, aye, and um, but Jim was just a natural and just did it because. He enjoyed yeah. it, and, yeah, but, yeah. But, but compared to today, he would be in a, a saloon car, he'd be a, maybe be in a sports car, and, and uh, then do the Grand Prix or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and it made themselves very, you know, open to, to everyone to go and see. But today, they come yeah. out of their motor home uh, onto the it. grid and then back yeah. and, that, and yeah. that's it, basically. You know, uh, you never uh, see uh, them, you know. Yeah. Ah, it's it's a different way of, way of life now, isn't it? It's, it's it's also professional, and that was the thing. And of course, there was this, the thing that Jim Clark had to go to France, wasn't it? Because he was a tax exile at one point, because the taxes went up in the seventies or sixties over here. And, well, that and, was uh, right, and, yeah. and rightly so, because I mean, you know, when he's doing the thing he's doing, he needs to um, make sure that he keeps what he earns rather than being seeing it yeah. disappear off. But um, the money he needs is it's nothing like what it was yes, today, because yeah. you know, in Jim's car. Or when it, on his overalls, when yeah. I've got some of them, and up, the only things that are on his overalls are Esso and Dunlop, yeah. <laughs> you know, and ah, basically that, and yeah. maybe Lotus, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there was no advertising really right. attached to it, right. you know? so yeah. therefore the, the money wasn't as big as right. I like right. what it is today, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and, and that's, you know, why it was very much, it wasn't amateur, professional, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But it was just, it, it, it was before it was. that boom of, of like, yeah. cigarette sponsors and everything else yeah. I had on the, like, the Lotus with, with the Chapmans on it when they brought in them, was it, um, oh, that famous, I'm trying to think, the cigarette brands. Was it the, oh, it was Marlborough, Marlborough, wasn't Marlborough, it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, that, of course, that changed because the whole car looked like a cigarette bag. Yeah, Marlboro. that's right. And Motorhead was it? Oh, I'm trying to remember what it was. I mean, players, yeah, players, players, that's right. John players, players, yeah, John, yeah, that's the one. I'll turn that. So you can hear a lot. <laughs> but um, yeah, so no, that was that made it all very, very different. It did. Um, yeah. But uh, but I mean, certainly from your experience as well at, at Goodwood, it's a great way to see all the cars. And for our listeners um, at home, they might be wondering how do you get to see. All these cars, but I suppose things like Goodwood is a great way. The festival of speed or the revival event um, is always good yeah. to to go and see. Well, the Duke of Richmond and Gordon, as I think I said earlier, is a patron of ours, and we were mm. the favourite charity this year at Goodwood. And yeah. uh, but a few years ago, when they had a tribute to Jim Clark in 1965, when he to, to mark the year of his second World Championship and winning Indianapolis, mm. they had about 40 of Jim's cars there. And we all uh, drove one of them, Sully uh, uh, Moss, John Surtees, uh, any drivers who get hold of me, yeah, like, yeah, all, yeah. all drove a car went Jim's for five uh, celebration laps. Uh, and we were lucky to get the database of all these owners, and we followed it up, and uh, quite a few of them said, if you want a car for your new museum when it's built, we're happy to loan. And it's good that these cars that these owners have are actually used for historic racing because yeah, they're much yeah. better to be used than just sitting. Oh, yeah, because yeah, they're just got. There are times in the year when they're not going to be used, and they said if you're not using them, you can have them in the. Ah, and as you, you, you're probably aware, you know, in the yeah. past, up in Duns, we've had various ah, cars ah. of gyms up, and Jackie Stewart and Alma and this people driving up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they were fantastic uh, events. And, they you know, doing that, that sort of thing, and, and uh, 
um, so the idea is that you know the new museum, which we're hoping will open next year at some point, and now it yeah. works well underway now. Um, instead of just having trophies when, when once you've been once you don't see them again, you can see all the rest. See yeah. after this, there will be cars in there that Jim's raced, and as we hopefully proceed in the future, mm. we'll I think there'll be a phase two where we'll have another maybe six cars in there. Wow. And then not only Jim's cars, but we'd like to think we could have other Scottish yeah, most, yeah, most exactly. cars as well. Yeah, yeah. And also to show the old and the new what the current Formula yeah. One cars are like compared to yeah, Jim's days because yeah. youngsters. But we hope to have an era in there where we'll have mechanics that, that can do... Um, repairs to a classic car with a professional mechanic in there. Oh, the right, idea man. will be to get... Um, um, you know, students who are maybe at Borders College learning to be ah. motor mechanics things who maybe want to go to the motorsport side of it yeah. Yeah, under yeah. an activity area for youngsters and um, I know, I, I'm and a lot more to see indeed and you, and you mentioned potentially simulators and, that, and the that's, simulator. that's the big thing now isn't yeah. it that's where it's all yeah. esports are yeah. where it's going I've got one Got one here. I've got my seat yeah. and my racing, my yeah. steering wheel. That's the nearest yeah. thing I've got to having a racing car. Yeah. You know, yes. that's that's what I've got, and it's amazing how how that side is growing. And I suppose people can practice, and you know, to some degree, get them an idea of what happens, and then eventually they can get into a proper yeah. racing car after that. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, it's it's going to be great. In fact, Andrew Dixon had suggested um, that perhaps when they open the new museum next year, it could coincide with they're hoping to get the Jim Clark Rally back. And, Hopefully, yes. and if they could do the same thing. At the same time, that would be an amazing be great, thing, yes, wouldn't yes. it? To have the whole thing back in done. Yes, we're very limited to when we can do it, depending on dates, you know, because yeah, the yeah. Grand Prix tend to be nearly every weekend. Ah, right? yes, there is a good. summer holiday <coughs> period when we hopefully we maybe can get. Yes, yeah, in August usually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that'll be the time. Aye. but going back to the, the the museum when it does open, you know, mm-hmm. our, our Jim Clark Trust is the motto really is heritage, inspiration, and education, yeah. and that is you know the heritage from Jim's legacy, mm-hmm. you know, inspiration. To inspire young people to come forward yeah, and educate yeah. the younger, you know, people Aye, to, yeah, to, to learn next generation, isn't it? And <coughs> excuse me, and we hope that um, we'll have funds available to, 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 to help promote that. Yeah, no, I think I think it's going to be brilliant, and just uh, the fact that we, from seeing the construction now and getting up when they get on with that and getting it all completed, I think it's going to be. Well, they reckon they'll have at least twenty thousand visitors a year compared to around about 5,000 at the moment. And I think that's just maybe even a starting point. Um, it's, uh, it, well, you know, time will tell, and it'll just depend, you know, how it, how it, how it all yeah. goes. But we like to think we'll get a lot more. The, we will get a lot more. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, it's a long time you know, since um, that Jim was killed, and, and that museum has been opened every year, you know, aye, uh, aye. since it you know, first opened. Yeah, and so Jackie Stewart has come and done a couple of refurbs, you know, moved yeah. around a wee bit. Yeah. But this yeah. will be the major... Yeah, the big one, isn't yeah. it? Well, I remember the time uh, <coughs> when Ayrton Senna um, came down to the the, um, the 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 room, and of course it was in the Berkshire News a few days later. Um, but because uh, he was a big fan of Jim Clark as well, and um, I, I was going to ask, had you ever met Ayrton Senna in any of your no, uh, motor racing meetings? I never met him. I met his uh, nephew. At, oh, Bruno uh, Senna, yeah, Bruno, yeah, really yeah. recently we were over in Paris for the. The induction to the Hall of Fame of Formula One drivers, yeah. and I was there to represent Jim. Yeah, yeah. And there was nine other um, current Formula One yeah. world champions there, plus family members like Bruno Senna uh-huh. and uh, you know other people. Even my own daddy came across from yeah, yeah. from America, and Jack Bielner was there, and uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. and we had a great time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I met Bruno, but uh, uh-huh. but, but all the, the drivers were there, the current ones. Yeah. And we spent two days together, and 
I, I, I like to watch them all together, see how they act. Yes, and they were great. They got on very well together. Yeah, you know. yeah. I was, as well, it's such an incredible sport and an amazing thing for me just as a, as a, as a Formula One fan just to experience it is great. And even for touring cars, for all types of motor racing, it's just a, a fantastic thing to watch and, and, you know, and you always dream about having a go. You know, my, one of my good friends who also does, um, uh, comes on the show quite often, he got his motor racing licence uh, at Silverstone about 10 years ago and I went to watch him do all of that and once he had completed all the kind of, the, the, the kind of classroom side, they then went out in the cars and they did practice laps and all of that and you got two races at the short circuit at Silverstone um, is it, they call it the Stowe circuit I think it is um, and so and he finished third he was he was third in one and I think he was actually and then he came from 11th to 6th in the second race um, but it was really good because it was a chance for him to have a go and it was a Formula Ford um, that they drove down there um, but it was great fun watching it all and seeing how it all works and then people from all over the world had come um, to do the same training um, in fact at the same time that was the same he did his and there were two groups doing the, the racing licence they're running simultaneously um, and the other chap drives for it was Jan Magnussen and his son now what's his trying to remember um Magnuson, Magnuson, who is now in Formula One, he was in the group, but he was in the other group from Jonathan. Um, but uh, but we watched him, and he was getting he was getting told off the whole time for doing dodgy dodgy <laughs> maneuvers. So, um, but they were very good. They had, they had like scale electrics at the back, and they were incredibly. Their reactions on scale electrics were so quick they could just wipe the floor with us. Um, but it was amazing to see how it all happened and, and how it all worked, you know. And it's it's just a fantastic sport, I think, to be around. And I don't know what your view is on on current Formula One, but I suppose we can we can. Uh, finish with that, and, and uh, do you have do you, yeah. do you still kind of keep up with it? Oh yes, I, I will ever watch it. Uh, don't go, really go to the, the races now, but mm. if we're abroad, I like to go to the circuits and see the circuits and the, the, yeah. the, quite a few of them. But the racing you see far more on the telly now. And the yes, guys. it's fantastic coverage. But, but, um, but a lot of people do say once you've seen the first couple of laps, you know, uh, and maybe the strategy, uh, you know, the pit stops and when yeah, it to, uh, yeah. that's interesting. But uh, and there's quite a lot goes on behind the scenes that some people don't realise, you know, yeah, technology, yeah. but. How these cars have been sort of manipulated from the pits or from the, yes. or from the, uh, the, the, uh, the factory back at home, you know. Uh, but um, it can be a bit of a, you know. Yeah, I think, more, yeah, you know, I think you can get good races and bad races, isn't it? It kind of really varies. And uh, I mean, certainly, I, I mean, I do have a lot of respect for the current drivers because I do think they're, they're they are very very good. Um, but it's it's yeah, every era just seems to bring in all this new technology and new things that, that come about. But uh, I'm just not, not so sure if they all go to electric engines. I just think that all, that all I mean, the, the engines are already an awful lot quieter than they were when they had the V8s. Uh, but we, we once went to, in fact, three or four times we went to the testing at Jerez in Spain. Um, and it was great fun because you could get in for like 10 euros and yeah. see the whole thing and see the whole circuit and see the cars going for it. And uh, in fact, we saw it in, in 19, no, sorry, 2008. Um, and that was the second season that, that Hamilton was there in his McLaren. And we took a video of him coming down the back straight and it was it looked amazing, you know, and the noise was just fantastic, you know. And I took my wife to it um, one of the last time we went in two thousand and eleven and I said to her, Oh don't worry, it's not very it's not very loud <laughs> and she could hear the noise from about two miles away from her ref and I said, Oh, it's just a bee flying past the car or something, you know, it's just something like that and as soon as we got into the car park you could just hear the noise and we were all we but she got she actually quite enjoyed it. Um and 'cause it is it's an amazing kind of atmosphere and just to, the whole everything about yeah. it is is something special. I know it, 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 it's it's yeah, it's sad we haven't got these noisy cars as they were. But I mean, Formula E now is you know we look at the environment and the way the way things are changing, yeah, the way they're going. Yeah. It's coming anyway, isn't it? Electricity, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, uh, it, it's, it's, it's technology moving forward, isn't uh, it? You know, uh, and, uh, you know, we're seeing the 
the demise of the of the diesel cars now back to petrol. Again, yes, you know, I know. I, I wonder how long that will last though, because people are getting a shock going back to petrol and not getting the miles per gallon that they were getting. Yeah. So I kind of wonder whether it's maybe been a little bit quick yeah. to ban everything. When yeah. it's, if one of my friends was saying yesterday, he was cycling going up Edinburgh, and of course he got the fumes from the buses. And I said, yeah, but that's from the buses and the taxis. It's not necessarily from the cars. Yeah. The cars are a lot more efficient um, than the buses and things like that. So we'll see how it all works out. But I think the, the governments are all desperate to try and ban anything they can <laughs> it well, that's, that's until right. they realise that yeah. they need it. You know, you know, There'll be no it. cars in, uh, in the future, will it? Yeah, yeah, but it's, oh, it's, it's one of these things. But uh, I actually entered a competition last year uh, for the Renault Infinity, for the, the Formula One team, um, because they were offering a chance to drive a Formula One car, a, a V8 version, from 2013 for one lucky uh, entrant. Um, and it was it was great fun. I mean, we, we actually we won a factory tour um, to the Renault F1 factory down down south and uh, just near Cambridge, it was. Um, so it was great that we, we saw the Austrian Grand Prix. They had a mini theatre um, and then they, they wined and dined us the whole time. So I uh, mean, Avon and I went and we had a lovely time seeing what Formula One is like nowadays. And the, obviously the, the, the money involved is incredible, hundreds of millions of pounds. Um, and obviously what they, it's, it's all an experience, isn't it? That's, that's the kind of difference. But but yeah, well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure um, to have you on the show, uh, Douglas. Thank you very, very much for, for coming in today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, Thank you, that, you for, uh, for having me. Yeah, so it's, uh, I do, if I, I, one, one last quick story um, for, our, for our listeners. And I remember uh, my father telling me this story uh, many, many years back. He was driving, he had a, a Ford Cortina, just a very normal one. And he was driving up to Edinburgh one night, going past Carfremel, heading up the road. Um, and he thought he was driving quite quickly. And all of a sudden, this flash went past him and he realised it was Jim Clark heading on his way up to Edinburgh and he realised then that that was a different way of driving you know, to what he was able to do. Yeah. Um, but I think everyone's had fond memories and, and things like that that have come from... Oh um, yeah, I can remember Jim driving you know, on, on the roads and one night we were going to a farmer's meeting at Kelso and I wasn't driving, I was my father and this car shot past, but like your father, <laughs> and I said, who was that? And it was Jim Clark, and, yeah. and this was a, a really winter snowy night, Goodness and he was just, you know, but, yeah, but, yeah. but that's what happened. That's what they do. That's what they do. Yeah. And then there wasn't the same issues about speeding and things. Aye, 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 aye. That's the thing. I think some of the funniest stories you hear about are racing drivers on their, their drive home. Yes, <laughs> they was doing amazing mileage in, in, in a couple of hours, you know, almost as much as they would do in a Grand Prix, you know, it's yeah. the, the kind of speeds that they could do in the cars that they would given so that was the thing but uh, oh well it's been fantastic to have you on the show Douglas and, and we just uh, wish you all the best especially for the Jim Clark Trust and for all the work that you're doing with that um, and for uh, really yes all of your, your businesses and sporting connections um, it's been fantastic to talk to you and uh, thanks very much. Well, thank you Hugh and I can just say thank you to everybody who supported the, the Trust over the last about six years to raise the 1.65 million that we did yeah. and we're now on phase two to raise another million to so they can get more cars in eventually if, if all goes to plan and yeah. look forward to the opening sometime in 2019. That would be fantastic. Well, we look forward to that and we will keep you updated um, with exactly what's happening with the Jim Clark Trust and, of course, the new museum that's opening here in Duns in the Scottish borders. But thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cardio Advisor podcast show with me, Hugh Hattrick, and my very special guest, Douglas Niven. We'll speak to you soon and bye to now. For more information, go to cardioadvisor.co.uk and you can see all the special offers that we have on the website. And remember, we have our YouTube channel, which is at Hugh Hattrick, and also we have our podcast on Podbean, on 
iTunes, SoundCloud, and Anchor FM. And if you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to our shows, or you can donate every month for just a pound. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. cardioadvisor.co.uk we can help you save thousands of pounds on your next new car or van and we can also source second hand cars as well and we can save you money on car rental whether it be in the UK and abroad just click our rental link on the website and we'll give you a free gift if you trade in your car with we buy any car using our special website link so go to the website now and see how much you can save and it's back to the show Thanks for listening.